there, dear people. Welcome to For Real. I'm Kim Stewart, and I get the honor of hosting these conversations. Today's guest, I'm happy to report, is Jennifer Dukes Lee, a woman who is so dear to me and who has taught me so much. Jennifer is wise and funny and exactly the same person in real life as she is in public. This is a remarkable and delightful character trait. I'm sure you agree. We get to talking about Jennifer's new project, which is unique for her and a gift to us. We also dive into what generous compassion toward ourselves and our words looks like, how to be real with God, and the point of all this brutal honesty. I know you'll love hearing from my friend and fellow Iowa girl, author Jennifer Dukes-Lee. Jennifer Dukes-Lee, welcome back to For Real. You're an alum. I am. I feel just overwhelmed by the fact that you'll have me again. I mean, oh you're such a great interviewer, such a great podcast. Oh, you this are so, so kind. <laughs> you are so kind. The only other person has been who has been on twice is my mother. Oh. And there is a certain, you know, we share holidays. So, um, I have to be a little bit more cautious with my question asking with her. I'm going to let it all hang out with you. And I'm so glad you were willing to do it again. Thank you for making the time to be with us. This is so fun. Well, listen, one of the reasons you're an alum, in addition to just being a really fantastic person, is that you wrote another book. (laughs) That's pretty impressive. You said it was 2021 that you wrote Growing Slow, which is one of my very faves. Um, that was published in 2021. I guess it's 2023, but still that's kind of a breakneck speed. Would you like a nap instead of a podcast interview? (laughs) You would, (laughs) I would, although I would, although I got to tell you, this was the most fun thing to write ever. Like of anything I've ever written. Oh, tell me about that. Oh my goodness. Because you've written a ton. I have written a ton. I've written a lot of newspaper articles, magazine articles, books, blog posts. Oh my goodness. I mean, gazillions of things. This was so fun. Well, first of all, it's a lot easier to write a journal than it is a trade book because I need to pause. See, I'm not a good interviewer because I didn't even say the name, the name of the new book listeners stuff. I'd only tell God. The subtitle is a guided journal of courageous honesty, obsessive truth-telling and beautifully ruthless self-discovery. So it's a guided journal, a different, a different lane than you've been in. So please continue. It is. And so it, although it also fits what I've been doing like all my life, which I can explain in a way, but, um, most books, every book that I've ever written is, you know, it's like chapters, like a bunch of words on pages. And then there's these stories that all tie together and lead the, the, the reader on a journey toward some spiritual end, some spiritual goal. And in this sense, I have the same goal as the end piece, but it's less about me and entirely about you or whoever is going through the journal. So it is hundreds, probably thousands of questions that take you step by step through the people in your life that have influenced you for good or bad, (laughs) um, through your past, your present, your future, hopes, dreams, worries, fears, and then just weird, quirky stuff 
that makes you you, which is super fun. I had a blast writing that section, but um, I've always asked questions. It's just been, it's been my nature, whether we're at a dinner party together or if we are in a Bible study together or when I was a news reporter, that's, I made a career out of it. And so I've taken my favorite questions. Some of them are just really weird, honestly. Um, but there, some of them are really deep. And then I put them all together so that you could have this sort of journal of self-discovery. And it's been fun. I mean, it, it was great to write it, but it's also been really helpful for me to go through it. Mm. Like, you know, I take my journal and I write down the answers. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I've been talking about the answers right. on social media. So it's been really, really good for me. Fascinating. Okay. I want to back up even one more step. Why? Why this book? Because you have a very established voice in the trade paperback world. You are an editor at Bethany House. You are with words all the time and lots of different versions of how we tell different stories. Why this book? And why now? Why the pivot? Yeah, I think that we can learn so much about ourselves by being willing to ask good questions. Asking God really tough questions is actually how I came to faith. Um, I didn't, I I grew up in the church. Um, Mom and dad did all the right things. And when I got to college, well, really, when I was still in high school, I was like, I don't know if I believe any of this stuff. It just doesn't make intellectual sense to me. And I really strayed away from the way that my parents raised me. And um, I didn't know how to find my way back. And I kept it very, very secret. I did not ask myself questions. I did not ask God questions. I just kind of boxed it up and just didn't deal with it. But when I started asking questions and when I encountered Jesus in the Bible, like people asking him questions all the time and he himself asking people questions all the time, like, do you want to get well? You know, like there, I was, I was finding myself transformed by the answers Mm -hmm. and by the questions. I completely um, gravitated toward Thomas um, he was, you know, I knew him growing up as doubting Thomas, which seemed like a shameful thing to doubt or question. But when I looked at how Jesus responded to his questions with really good answers, I'm like, Jesus is not freaked out about any question that I have. And it was super freeing for me. And um, in the study notes of my Bible, where Thomas is asking, Uh, Jesus some tough questions. In the study notes, it says, silent doubts rarely find answers. And I underline that. It practically feels like scripture to me, and I don't mean to be sacrilegious here, but it feels deeply important, that sentence to me. And so this journal then, it's not just for people who, you know, didn't believe or are going through some spiritual crisis. It's, it's a journal that helps you grow as a human. Um, there are deeply spiritual questions in there as well. Um, there's even a whole section of questions that Jesus an- asks people and you have an opportunity to answer them. But I feel deeply that 
there's a lot of beauty that happens right after a question mark. If you're willing to answer, if you're willing to be honest. That is fantastic and so refreshing. I feel like my parents also did all the right things. Um, Lots of folks in my life did. But somewhere I picked up that same idea that if I was going to ask questions, I better be careful. I don't know where I got this because my mom was actually very vocal in saying there is no question that can scare God. Mm. And she would, she wouldn't freak out when I would ask some real doozies. Um, and that was such a gift to me. And I'm trying to do that with my kids too. You can, there's nothing you can ask that will make him start to real, really tremble. Oh no, I haven't thought of that. In fact, I'm glad you mentioned Thomas. We just talked about him yesterday in church and you're right. He asked these wonderful questions. I've always thought he had a bad rap doubting Thomas. He was just asking the obvious, like the guy died. I don't believe he is not dead. I saw it, right? I feel like that's right. pretty logical. That's reasonable. That's very reasonable. And I think probably that's what I love the most about, about stuff I'd only tell God. I love that you aren't you are not fearful. These are not fearful questions. And they're also not um siloed. By that I mean you cover the whole person. You talk about past, present, future. You talk about people in our lives, experiences, even places in our lives. And I think only good things can come from that. Um, I want to return to that in just a second, but I wonder um, how you journal in your real life. This is not, this isn't a blank journal, right? So most of my journaling experience has been open up a fresh page and start writing. It's not silly, And it's also not stuffy. You seem to kind of thread that needle that it's both wise and tender and funny and quirky. You call it a reader's own little confession booth, which I really love. That's a great hook. You must have a great marketing team. (laughs) Or maybe that was yours. I love it so much. So I'm wondering, how do you journal in your real life? Is this it? So I have journaled um, ever since I had in fourth grade, my Pac-Man book of secrets, my diary. Yes. And And did you name it the book of secrets? No, it was the name of it. (laughs) It was the name. The dark Yeah, I loved (laughs) Pac-Man. I know. I loved Pac-Man. I still love Ms. Pac-Man, by the way. Yeah. Well, she's real cute. But I just really do like that a lot, that game. (laughs) I am willing to put my quarters in (laughs) if I see it somewhere. Um, But my Pac-Man book of secrets, I wrote down, I mean, and it was just like, this is the stuff that happened. It wasn't like, you know, earth shattering big stuff. But when I look back on it now, I can see, you know, this person developing and her interests and like those things were important to her. Um, And then as I got older, my journals became more, um, like I have, I'd have a variety of journals as an adult. Like I've had prayer journals. I've had, um, scripture journals. I've had scripture drawing journals and I'm not, not very good at drawing. I've had, um, gratitude journals. I've had journals where I, um, just kind of record random little thoughts and ideas and concerns. I've have journals where I should write about this later on my blog, like a whole like blog right. list journal. Mm-hmm. And my, a lot of my journaling honestly is done online. Um, I'm kind of an open book. 
So people who follow me on Facebook and Instagram know that in that I write in the moment, unless it's something that God's still working out in me, but I tend to write in the moment. I don't like plan out some big thing that I'm going to do. I sit down and journal and write. There's some things that obviously don't make it onto the, you know, that aren't for public consumption, but a lot of it, a lot of it is. But I think the problem for a lot of people is they'll say things like, I'm not a writer. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to say. And so they they miss out on the benefit of self-discovery because they just look at a blank page and it's overwhelming. That's overwhelming for me as a writer. Um, so if it's overwhelming for me who does this for a profession, how much more for somebody who just feels like I can't do it? And so um, I started to think about how when I talk to people, they tend to tell me things. It's just a gift that I have. And it's also super annoying. I can seem maybe very nosy right away. I just like start to ask questions that maybe aren't any of my business. Um, but I I enjoy that process because I care about people and I'm curious. And it's interesting to me to see what happens when people answer questions. And so I thought, what would it be like to create a journal of those kinds of questions that give people a space to, where they don't have to tell me their their answer, but they can just keep it to themselves, or maybe that they would share later on down the road. Talk to me about why that's important. I mean, we live in a culture where there's a lot of confession. Some of it is real kind of posturing, right? There are a lot of kind of maybe faux confessionals I'm thinking about on social media. I'm one of my, for example, my biggest fault is that I just work way too hard. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably not true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there is a cultural acceptance to, to saying things out loud, but what is the, what do you feel is the point? Like, what do we get out of being honest with ourselves and honest with God? There are so many benefits. Um, one, I'm going to share a story from this morning, for instance. Um, the the question that I answered in Stuff I'd Only Tell God this morning is, if I only had two weeks left to live, what would I do? And I began to write down the things that I would do. Um, I would go on one more date with the love of my life. I would... Um, remind myself of what God has to say about me and have that comfort me. Cause I think I'd be scared if I knew I only had two weeks. Um, I, I would want to make sure that the girls knew without a doubt that God was still good, even though mom was not going to be here anymore and that we would see each other again someday. And oh my goodness, I'm about to cry. Ooh, um, this is why journaling is good. This right here, the way that I'm feeling right now on the verge of tears is why journaling is good. Um, I would climb one more mountain or drive up one more mountain, probably. I would um, put my feet in the sea one more time. And I wrote all those things down. And um, the immediate impact was, I, I have time. I can do those things. And, and it just was a sacred moment for me, just by answering one question. And so that's why it's worth it. We can get so busy with just the day in, day out, putting one foot in front of the other, that sort of introspection helps you decide what's most important of all. And that's just one question. That's all I had time or capacity for today, but it was enough. It was enough for me to think about like how I want to be even in just the next two weeks. I can't do all those things in the next two weeks, but I can, it, it, it 
it revealed to me what my priorities are. And so that I can order my life a little bit more around them. Another um, reason that that um, journaling is so important is because um, it really does help you to declutter your mind. Um, there's a lot going up on in, in these noggins that we just need to kind of unload and put down on paper. And um, our brains are just constantly bombarded with opinions and demands and information and responsibilities and so much more. And a journal like this helps you to clear out like distressing thoughts and worries and really move forward with renewed peace. I know that even when I do like a brain dump at the end of a day, if I just come into the office real quick and write down everything that I need to get done in the next day, I automatically have a renewed sense of peace and I can go to bed without ruminating on all of that. So it's it has that decluttering capability. It has a healing capability. It helps you to prioritize, just like I mentioned in the example of um, what would you do with two two weeks left? So there's there's just so many different different benefits. And you know, one of the biggest things I think for me as a believer is God meets me on the pages of my journals. Like, you know, when I when I dust off the brain and just lay this all out before him and say, God, this is what's on my mind. These, these are my beliefs about things. Um, th these are my fears about things. I, I am trusting, I'm saying, God, I trust that you can handle whatever I'm throwing at you today. And that has been a tremendous benefit of journaling for me. I really appreciate the thoughtfulness of that answer because Here's my confession. I'm a contrarian, Jennifer, and I'm the type of person who does not answer reflective questions in Bible studies. I don't, apparently, I don't like people bossing me around. Um, you can ask my mom. I'm pretty sure she would um, agree with that summary of me. Your book, though, is different. It feels invitational to me. It doesn't feel bossy. It doesn't feel like I'm supposed to check a box and then continue onward, although I do love, I am a box checker. I like it. But I like the way that you um, come alongside me, the way that you speak and the way that you invite me onto the page. It's just enough. Every prompt is just enough. I don't feel like I have, I feel like I can dig as far as I want and that there will be good things there. But you ask fantastic questions. Um, so I'm just saying, well done, because usually I give the side eye to people bossing me around with questions. Well, that means a lot. That that is so affirming for me as this Bible or as this uh, journal starts to make its way out into the world. So here's the thing: I am almost invisible in it. I think that's why. Okay. Um, yeah. I almost didn't have an introduction in there. I almost didn't say anything about who I was. I almost didn't even want my name on it. Ah. I wanted it to feel completely your journey because, you know, there are books where you lose your, yourself in them. And then there's books where you find yourself. And this is a find yourself one. And I didn't want to stand in the way of that. So I have a very brief, like 1000 word, maybe less introduction that basically says, hey, here I, here I am. And then from there on out, I back out. I don't even use the word you in there. It's all I, I, I. So it's you as the reader taking ownership because you'll be like, if I only have two weeks to live, 
well, Jennifer's not even in the room. Like that's just you and God then. So that was, that was very, very intentional. And there's also no judgments made on anything. So there's, there's places in there. Like, I hope I don't end up living by this person in heaven. Mm. Like just put it down, like just say it. <laughs> I got or, a couple on that um, list. <laughs> <laughs> right? Or like, um, these are Bible verses that scare me. Right. Or this is something that I believe about God that I didn't used to, or this is something that I don't believe about God anymore. Like, and there's no judgment. There's nothing after that that says, oh, but Kim, don't you realize? Yes. There's nothing. There is zero judgment. You Mm -hmm. get to come at this as honest as you've ever been. Okay. I want to talk about that because even the book, even the title, Stuff I'd Only Tell God. I feel like I, I'm getting older and I'm just now after walking with Jesus for lots of time, I feel like I am just now in a new way, becoming more honest with God. Um, sometimes I really, I really, not sometimes I really have for whole seasons of my life. I mean, I'm writing a book about this now, so that's probably why it's so rough, but for whole seasons of my life, I have felt like the place to be honest is with me, maybe trying as well as I can. But then when I'm talking to God, I got to clean it up a little bit, right? Or I need to kind of show that I, you know, I know you've said this. And so I'm in line. This is a beautiful, this book is a beautiful, fresh bit of fresh air. And I feel like I just personally right now in this point in my life am learning the value of ruthless honesty with God before I've processed, before I've decided, before I have remembered what's true. I'm trying to move in. Here's what this looks like. When I go on walks, often I I am praying out loud. People think I'm talking to somebody in my earbuds, but I'm not. And they don't need to know that. So out loud, instead of doing my preamble that I've done for years, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for who you are, what you're doing, all these things that I've said, I'm cutting that. And I'm going straight to God. I'm so stressed out about blank. My my blank child needs help and I don't know what to do. In other words, I'm pretending like I'm walking with my friend, mm-hmm. which is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm yep. saying? I'm pretending I'm walking with you. And instead of, I would never say to you as my friend, you know what, Jennifer, I really appreciate the way that you have, and just like give you a beautiful speech about how you've lived, what I've learned. That's not how we talk. We say, you're asking me how I am. I'm going to tell you. So Tell me about that. The, the oh. honesty with God. Did you have you always known this? Is this something you're learning? Even the title, I think, is provocative in the best way. Yeah, that is so good. I just feel like that's eye-opening right there. What you said about walking with a friend. That is so good, Kim. Um, I will tell you that honesty with God has not been my default position. So um There was some years ago where we went to a spiritual retreat and we were given little pieces of paper that we would write like sins or just things on that are, that were really burdening us and maybe separating like an obstacle between us and God. And I was so dishonest with God that I've made things as initials. Nobody was going to see it because they were going to burn the thing later, but I made like little initials. You know, like maybe like, 
that's so stupid. I mean, that's <laughs> I'm like an adult woman. Like no, I, I identify just... with that fully. <laughs> like I'm protecting him or something. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know if he can see this word. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know. I mean, yeah. I, so that's been that's been difficult for me. I think there's just I think there's just been a lot of of shame about the things that we carry and um a lot of hiding and pretending and you know, just the same way, like Adam and Eve, like, Oh, better hide behind the bushes. Now we just, we've been busted here and just feeling like that nakedness before the Lord feels super scary. It just does. And I feel and like he I'm doesn't learning do that, that to me. I mean, I don't know where I'm picking that up. I, when I'm finally honest with him, it's not like he makes me feel like, wow, that's a lot. I'm going to have to process that and get back to you. Not at all. It's my own stuff. I don't even know if I'm thinking he can't handle it. It must be more that I can, that I, I feel like yeah. I'm really, you know, I need to make the plate spin and then he will watch. I mean, it's just, I don't know where I'm getting this. I don't I'm know glad either. you don't. I'm glad this book doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I feel that that you know that this is part this journey, even just creating the journal and having to answer the questions myself has been peeling away layers that of this kind of protection that I've put between me and God that is just it it's prevented a level of intimacy with him that I just I don't I don't want to give away any more of that ground. I want to you know just keep peeling off the layers um and allowing myself to be held and loved by him and to walk with him as a friend. I love that image. Um, I love your words in the beginning. You you put words to this. You say that as we write, may we have this combo, ruthless honesty and generous compassion. And I think I have not done that, mm -hmm. particularly in my prayer life, right? But I really try to do that with my kids. I'm not as good with me, right? If my kids come to me and tell me something alarming, um, man, I love their honesty. And I have just loads in general, I hope, I have loads of compassion for them. I'm not as good with myself for that. So talk to us about how we do that. Like if someone hears that call, be ruthlessly honest and generously compassionate with yourself as you're writing in this journal or you're, you're approaching some of these questions. If our listeners are thinking, well, how in the world I want to do that? How do I do that? Well, the journal does take you on... Um kind of an orderly path. Although if you're not linear, you can skip around, or if you just can't handle a question, just skip over it and come back. But, um, when you, like we start with your, you start with your people because more than anything, that's how you've been influenced. I mean, yeah, there's some like DNA stuff and all that, but like who you, who's been in your life has deeply impacted your life. So you spend a lot of time with that, you you spend a lot of time like thinking about who's really hurt me and who have I hurt and who's given me the best advice I've ever gotten and um, who am I having trouble forgiving? And that level of honesty, it, it just, it cre does create compassion for yourself because, you know, when I'm writing about a kindergarten teacher who was just super unkind to me or a seventh grade girl that was 
rude or that I was, maybe I was the rude one. Like I begin to understand who I am today as a result. And I'm able to process and deal with that. And the same as the same is true when I go through the me and my past section. When I look back at what I've gone through in my life, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I treat myself with more compassion and see instead of like pushing this person aside or, you know, shaming her, I embrace that past me, me and um speak to her with with kindness and compassion there's even a section in there where you write a letter to your younger self and that's been um, a help helpful practice for early readers beta readers that have been going through it to just you know what would you say to your 10 years ago self or your 20 years ago self and most people come away from that practice not writing things like why did you have to be such a jerk back then or wow, I I just I don't like you. It's usually things like, don't worry so much about this. It all turns out, and you begin to look at that previous version of yourself and realize she helped me get to where I am today. For the the poor choices, but like the really brave things that she did, and that helps you treat yourself with more compassion too. Hi folks, just a quick interruption here to let you know about another podcast you might enjoy. My friend Bob Goff and I host The Writing Room, a place where authors talk shop. Whether you are a writer yourself, or you're just curious about how in the world an idea ends up with a barcode, The Writing Room is a place where we talk about all things books. Neither Bob nor I are really into secrets, so we pull back the curtain on how we go about writing and how to have some fun along the way. We would love for you to join us on the adventure. The Writing Room is available on all your favorite streaming platforms and airs nationally on K-Love Radio. And now, back to the conversation. I have a question about specifically um, a little bit more practical question, how to consume this. So how do we, and, and I, you know, I don't mean to um, put all of the pressure of this conversation on this fantastic book, but I think even if, even if listeners don't run out and buy a copy, though, you should run out and buy a copy that the advice is sound to have compassion and generosity of spirit towards yourself and to take a look, to take a look and to slow down. See, there's a theme here in your work theme of slowing down and taking a good look about where we are before years are gone and we've never slowed to a walking pace. So if we're going to do that, how specifically with this journal do you envision people doing it? You mentioned today that you took one one question and that that was mm-hmm. it. Is that kind of how you envisioned the book itself and the journaling process itself, even if we're not going to use your book, just one one bite at a time? I think so. It really depends on how much time people have. Um, I think the most important thing is just committing to honesty from the get-go okay. and committing to being generous and compassionate toward yourself from the get-go. And um, then you can kind of what I call choose your adventure. So the journal is put together in a particular order, starting with your people, and then it goes to your past, your present, your future. Um, and then there's this section in the middle called as honest as I've ever been. 
which are the, like, the, that's the deep dive stuff. The zingers. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a section in there called me and my weird ways, which maybe you just need a day of lightness. And so you just go fill out two or three questions in that section. Um, but if you want, you know, if you want to start at the beginning and move your way through, uh, that's probably a really good way to do it. But I just don't want to like give people a bunch of rules on this thing because people are going to approach it really differently. I'll be very curious as it goes along to, to hear how people, how people do, do encounter it because I tried to create something with different personalities in mind and really tried to back away from giving too much instruction. But there are some people that I'm already like, how do I use this thing? And do I start at the beginning? And what if I don't can't answer that question? And how many minutes? So it's just the same like with a Bible reading plan. You know, some people will read a Bible in a year and consume great amounts of scripture in one day as a result of that. Others take their time and spend a week on one set of passages so there really are rules about it. I think that as you get into it, you'll find the rhythm that works for you. My rhythm is um, like I try a page a day, but for instance, this one question that I did today is at the bottom of a page of maybe like six other prompts. Um, but I just answered that one question. Yeah. Okay. That's super helpful. Um, Jennifer, you, since last time we talked, your sweet dad went home to Jesus and I read every bit that you wrote about him. I watched you walk through that whole goodbye process, the, the, the right after goodbye process. Um, and you still write about him sometimes. And first I want to tell you, I'm just so sorry because that was hard no matter um, where he is now and we know, and no matter where you are, you're not together. And so um, I'm just so sorry. Some of your posts made me just weep. And I, lo I love my dad the way you love your dad. And so I'm sure that's part of it. They're both Northwest Iowa guys. I'm sure that's part of it too. Um, but I'm wondering how, how grief is for you and how you are walking in it and through it. That's a big question. You can do whatever you want with it. Absolutely. Well, um, I believe it was Ann Voskamp who I first heard this from, and it's that as writers, we live life twice. Um, one as in the reality of it, and then the second in the retelling of it. So that can feel super painful. It sounds really painful to do. And that does mean that I end up having double the tears. Um because when you remember those things and write about those things, um, you cry again. There's there's just no way around it. But that is the power of writing it down. I mean, I I just don't know how to go through this life without processing it on paper, or you know, whether that's a journal or a Facebook post or whatever. Um, I talk about dad a lot in my um, keynote addresses at conferences and. Um, I don't know. I don't know any other way to do it. I'm not a very private processor, for better or worse. Um, my grief has been a very public thing. There's been, you know, points of anguish, obviously, that aren't out there for everybody to see. But um, I don't want to say I use the grief to bless other people. That just makes it, it just commodifies it somehow. And I don't know how to describe it. But there is something um, that brings me great 
encouragement and a deep joy knowing that our story helps others in the midst of their own. When people say things to me like, I, 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 you put into words the way I feel about my own dad, or um, you've helped me today with, with grief in this particular situation. Um, so that, that is that public way of grieving has just been how I've processed a lot of, a lot of this, you know, I spoke at my dad's funeral. It's just, and just decided I don't care if I cry and, you know, make a mess of myself up front. It's just that that is a part of how God made me. That's not right for everybody. To somebody that might just sound completely frightening and appalling, but it's been very, very healing for me. Um, we just had Anna, Anna our second oldest daughter was baptized yesterday by immersion. I got to baptize her. That was pretty cool. Um, but in the moments before we went up and into that, that tank, I thought, you know, my dad's not here, you know, it's just there, it just comes in waves and that I'll think that, you know, I'm coming along, I'm, I'm progressing in my grief, but it just, it does, it doesn't work like that. Your, your heart just learns how to move forward without this person there. And, you know, I'll smell Stetson in a grocery store aisle, or I'll run by a Dairy Queen and it'll, those things will make me cry out of, out of nowhere. Um, it just comes in waves. Well, you're wise to let the wave hit. I don't know that we have always done a good job of that. I heard a rabbi talk about that one time. Um, he actually wrote a book. I'd have to think about this. The person who helps me with show notes is going to not be super happy that I say a rabbi and then have no citation, but we'll find one for you the listeners. Um, he wrote a book in reaction to his own father's death after having helped other people go through death and burial and the entire process many times as a spiritual leader, as a rabbi in his congregation. And then his own experience with grief, how that made him want to apologize to all the people that he had mentored or had kind of just guided through that because he said, I had no idea. He didn't know. And one of the things he said was, I think I had thought that grief was more linear than it was. And also a little bit more, a little less wild than it is. He said, and this particular rabbi lived by the ocean. He said, when I stand by the ocean, in the ocean, if a wave is coming, it doesn't matter how resolved I am to stand in the wave. Uh, my job is actually to sit down and let the wave carry me. There is nothing I can do to tame it. I need to let the wave pass. And then when it's done, I stand up again. And I, I have thought of that metaphor so many times in my own grief. And you just mentioned it beautifully too. Instead of deciding I've got to control this or I have, or I shouldn't be feeling this anymore. I shouldn't, DQ shouldn't make me upset. That's a pile of hooey. I'm so glad you aren't, that you don't believe that, but also you're showing your daughters too, that when the wave hits, you just sit down. You're going to be okay, but don't fight that. That doesn't get anyone anywhere. So um, you've done that in your writing too. I so appreciate it. I am with the legions of people who have said to you, you've put words to my, to my own heart and to my own thoughts. You do that on the daily. I'm so appreciative of it. That means a lot. And I'm going to carry that wave image with me. That's, it is what it feels like. Um, and I think that culturally we're, 
educated or um, I don't know what the right word is, but it's modeled to us that you try to figure out how to, you know, stand up against the wave and put, you know, just be firm. And it just, it's impossible and it's tiring. And there is something, you know, like when you're in an ocean and where you just ride the wave and you realize that in an ocean, like you can, you're actually buoyed. It doesn't like overtake you. You are, when you give yourself into it, it's, you know, you, you become part of the ocean and it just, it's a much more beautiful way of, of moving forward in life for sure. Well, thank you for showing us your heart so beautifully, Jennifer, in your posts, in your books, in your new book stuff. I'd only tell God, I appreciate that you, um, it's not just that you're thoughtful about what you're writing. You're also just the person I want to live next door to. And I think that that is a, and I have really great neighbors for my neighbors listening. I'm not trying to boot you out. However, you have this wonderful gift of inviting the reader um, to trust you and to hang out with you. And I just so appreciate that. I'm so grateful for that um, and love this new book. I, I, the contrarian who does not like bossy pants and prefers to be bossy pants and making my way through stuff I'd only tell God. And I feel like that is a victory. <laughs> so well done. You won. <laughs> I love it. I'll report back. I would love to hear. I'd love to see your answers. Well, well, ones that you scary. would, okay, ones okay. that you'd be willing okay. to share. Good caveat, good care. That all that made me have a hive when you said that. <laughs> you know, like, Dukesley. would you survive a zombie apocalypse? I'm dying to know. Oh, hundred percent, I would not. There's no way. Whenever are you talk, serious? Oh no, I'm very quick to just decide. Time to go home to Jesus. I'm serious. We talk about this in our house. My husband is a total survival person. I always say, if something really horrible happens, if you're not within about 15 feet of me, I'm throwing up my hands and just eating a bonbon and deciding it was a good run. <laughs> Kidding! I have no resolve. I'm just like, well, oh, sounds like it's too hard. I know where I'm headed. Isn't that horrible? My my children always look at me like, oh my gosh, we need to make sure we're with dad if anything really bad happens. Oh my goodness. That's so that's hilarious. a no to the zombies. Next okay. question. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Jennifer Dukes Lee, thank you. God bless you. I'm so grateful for this time with you. I hope this book flies off the shelves. Not just because I think we want a vote in your direction, but also because I think it's going to do so many good things for our hearts. So thank you for the time you took in writing it and for the honesty you used all along the way. Thank you. Appreciate you. I'm telling you, that woman made a guided journaler out of me. Okay, that's not true. She made me a stuff I'd only tell God journaler out of me. But you know, that book is exactly what I needed for right now. I highly recommend picking up a copy and making your way through it this summer. I think you'll be surprised at all the good things that can come from Jennifer's question and from the decision to slow the roll a bit and find out what's happening in your heart and your brain. Report back and tell us what you discover. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us. And before you go, please rate and review for real. I can't explain the math because I don't like math, but something magical happens when you push those five stars 
little happy hamsters start working really hard in our phones and computers, and they tell a lot of people about this podcast so that we can keep finding new listeners. See, I just used hamsters to give a visual of an algorithm. This should both concern you and make you pity me enough to help me out with a review. Post, share, review, and so on. Make those hamsters get a workout. And come back soon. We have much more good stuff coming your way around the bend as we close out this season. And we cannot be more excited to share it with you. For real.